Hello and welcome to Long Story Short, the podcast from Arcadis UK, where we focus on the recovery and the revival of our cities. I'm Emma Nelson, and today, the urban quarter in a quarter of an hour. We examine the 15-minute city. Paris is a great playground for that. It's already a very dense city and has a lot of amenities. It's already a kind of 15-minute city. We find out if it's the shape of our city's future or if it's only half the answer. I think what's important is to be really clear on what it is that those places can be famous for. And we'll ask whether a smaller-scale society is more human or whether it cuts us off from bigger opportunities. There are things which need to happen in city centres because they need massive demand. And there are things which are much better done at a human scale in local communities. And I think the trick to getting this right is to be quite clear which is which. That's all ahead on Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK. And a very warm welcome to today's show. Let's begin with some words from Professor Carlos Moreno, Associate Professor at the Sorbonne in Paris, and the man whose idea is the subject of today's discussion. We need to reinvent the idea of urban proximity, Moreno says. We know it's better for people to work near to where they live, and if they can go shopping nearby and have the leisure and services they need around them too, it allows them to have a more tranquil existence. Today our approach to work is the same as it has been for the last 50 years. Is it always necessary to show up somewhere, to be physically present in front of the boss? Well, Professor Moreno's words predate the pandemic, when our worlds were forcibly shrunk. So is his idea of what's known as the 15-minute city just what we need right now for revival, or does it miss the point of what a city is for? Well, joining me today are... Peter Hogg, Arcadis' UK Cities Director. Laura Citroen, Chief Executive of London & Partners, the Trade, Investment and Promotion Agency for London. Anthony Breach, Senior Analyst at Centre for Cities. Welcome to Long Story Short, all of you. Now, Anthony, let me begin with you. What is a 15-minute city? So a 15-minute city is an urban planning concept, which has uh, recently become popular, which argues that the ideal built form and urban environment is to have all jobs and all urban amenities within 15 minutes by foot or by bike. So it's in contrast to uh, traditional notions of city living, much more commuting between suburbs and city centres, and much more separation between places of work, places of consumption, and places of residence. Laura, you've seen, as a born and bred Londoner, how the capital has shrunk since Covid arrived. Are we seeing the 15-minute city playing out already in front of our eyes? I think we are in part, and we've definitely seen through this Covid period that a lot more people have been working from home and reconnecting with their neighbourhoods. And we know that people are really enjoying discovering local markets, independent shops, volunteering in their communities. But we've also got to remember that that trend for working from home is really limited to people who do office type work and so who can work from home. There are still a lot of Londoners who are going out to work every day whether they work in care, in health, in retail, manufacturing, delivery, logistics, and so on, where they just don't have the option to work from home. And Peter, before the pandemic, there was perhaps a sense from some that our cities didn't always operate on a human scale. Was this a sort of a welcome idea when the pandemic made us think, actually, we do need to think a bit more locally? I think that it's done no harm. 
for people to think more locally. It's caused people to reflect on how a city functions best. And that's the good thing. What we've seen is that the 15-minute community, the 15-minute city, isn't a panacea. It brings some brilliant ideas that we can already point to making positive changes to some areas of some urban communities. And I think it's great that we can take some of that learning, some of that principle, some of that understanding and apply it. Anthony, you mentioned there the idea of what the 15-minute city is. It, it is quite a strict formula. It's, it's an idea with quite a distinct formula. It's an accepted urban planning formula, and it's a highly politicised one, hasn't it? I mean, the mayor of Paris, Anne Hidalgo, launched the 15-minute city plan as part of her re-election campaign in February this year. Yes, that's right. And contrary to a lot of expectations and discourse in the run-up to that election, Hidalgo's campaigning on it was very successful, and she, and she was re-elected on that platform and programme. And I think it shows that a lot of the principles underneath the 15-minute city idea are really popular. So these reforms such as reducing air pollution, making it much easier to kind of get around your city on on foot, having much more mixed kind of communities of places of work, places of consumption and places where people live is fundamentally a really popular mix. And it'd be a great thing if our cities had more of those characteristics and were more mixed like that in future. Well, let's hear from the French capital, where the idea of the 15-minute city first arrived. Um, Nicolas Boffy is the Paris city executive for Arcadis. He gave us his thoughts on how the 15-minute city has suddenly arrived in the French capital at the same time as the pandemic. So with the successive lockdowns we had in 2020, uh, Parisian people have discovered again their neighbourhood. They looked for services in their close vicinity, they have adopted their commuting habits, they adopted micro-mobilities, and now they work more remotely. So they had a sneak peek of what the 15-minute city can be. To make the 15-minute city work, we need to adapt the city's plans and regulations and promote mixed-use developments and help in reducing car usage. Paris is a great playground for that. It's already a very dense city and has a lot of amenities. It's already a kind of 15-minute city. That was Nicolas Boffi, who's the Paris city executive for Arcadis. Laura, you've already issued warnings about the fact that not everybody can afford the luxury of living in a 15-minute city, but the ideas that Nicolas Boffi talks about there, the the fact that cities can adapt and that mixed use is possible. It's a very realisable idea, isn't it? What we've really seen in the pandemic is that people really value that feeling of connection to their local community. It really adds to our well-being when we walk into a shop and we know the people there, when we feel like we're involved in our community, where we can walk up our high street and, and smile at the people we know. But I think that's very different from thinking about it as an organising concept for a city economy or for a city labour market. And so I think we need to distinguish between a 15-minute city as ways that we organise our communities and 15-minute cities as a way we organise our economy. Cities have grown over the past century because cities grow faster than villages and bigger cities grow faster than smaller cities. And that's clear from from lots of data and evidence. And the reason that London is a prosperous global city is that it has scale and it has agglomeration effects. And I think the risk of applying a 15-minute city 
universally and to the way we organise our economy is that we might risk fragmenting that which makes the London economy so powerful, which is its scale and the fact that it brings together large scale and lots of different sectors from financial markets, culture, government, technology, education in a single melting pot. That's what's so powerful about a big city like London. I wonder though, Laura, the fact that we now live in a remote working age for so many of us, the idea of getting on a train and commuting into town just seems to be a waste of time for so many people, as is the idea of presenteeism. I must be at my desk if I am seen to be working. Oh, absolutely. And I think the the changing patterns of work that we've seen will endure. I don't think we'll see necessarily 100% home working continuing for everybody, but for sure the balance between home working and being in an office is going to change. And also the purpose of the office will change when we're in the office or when we're in in town, if you like. We'll be there to meet people, to collaborate, to have ideas, to do deals, to build relationships, not just to sit at our desks and, and do our regular work. So that change is definitely coming. But nevertheless, we need to think about the impact on the competitiveness of the city, of fragmenting the economy, and also the inequality effects potentially of doing that. Yeah, I think your point there about presenteeism is a really important one and one that's been missed by a lot of the conversation and discourse around uh, Zoom and working from home over the past year. In that I think if there's going to be one long-term change to the way urban economies work, then I hope it's that it's that it becomes more normal and healthier, that we take sick days and that if people feel like they've got a cold but that they're well enough to work from home, that they actually do so instead of feeling that they have this need to go into the office. Anthony, however, you have said in the past that a 15-minute principle goes against the grain of what we know about city life. So you've you sort of set yourself up for, for an internal argument there. So what we know about cities, if you think about the labour market of a city as a whole, is that workers seek to exploit a mismatch between high land prices in city centres and much cheaper land in the suburbs. And workers on the whole want to work in places where land values are high in that they get great benefits by being near to people who have really high skills and working in really, really concentrated and deep labour markets where there's lots of jobs available and where they can switch between different jobs and experience wage growth and progression. But then they want to live in places where land is much cheaper so that they can buy much more space for them and their families. Peter, how do you introduce the idea of a 15-minute city into work with your clients? Anthony described it there as not necessarily the fully formed concept that has emerged from the Sorbonne, but many people might describe it as as a fully functioning neighbourhood, both socially and economically. It's very much around understanding what type of community that they're seeking to either create or develop or enhance or improve and what are the problems that they need to solve. It's then about taking the best of 15-minute community thinking and seeing how you can actually apply that helpfully and usefully and appropriately to that individual community. So one example is we've been doing a certain amount of work with a number of the so-called garden villages that are being developed here in the UK. And one of the things that we found is that many of those communities are very keen to have at their heart a principle around 
the ability for people to walk around or cycle around that community within 15 minutes, to interact with other people, to access local facilities in order to create more of a sense of a community that's based on people meeting each other. And that's something which we're very, very happy to work with clients to introduce. We're seeing it working well. Actually, there's some great examples. You know, North Stow to the north of Cambridge are being a, a standout where that's really, really making a difference. But what it's not doing is saying, here's a set of rules for 15-minute communities and you can either have them all or you can't have any of them. It's the intelligent weaving in to a wider sense of community the principles of of, of the 15-minute community ideal. Well, one person who sees the idea of a 15-minute community just another way of saying let's keep it local is London's Walking and Cycling Commissioner, Will Norman. As London comes out of the COVID crisis and people return to their places of work and start going out for leisure, it's critical that we enable them to do that by walking and cycling rather than using their car. A car-led recovery will lead to an air quality crisis, increased congestion, which is bad for business, is bad for our health and it's bad for our city. Our street space programme is all about prioritising our streets, making them safe for people to walk and cycle. Not only is this greener and cleaner, but it's also good for local businesses because we know that people who are walking and cycling tend to spend more on their local high streets, enabling our recovery to be green, clean, healthy and economically sustainable. That was Will Norman, London's Walking and Cycling Commissioner there. Peter, Will likes to keep it local but it's also important to keep it connected to a broader sense of space and place. I think it's thinking about that travelable scale. So how are you putting things in in blocks whereby activity can take place and people can travel from one thing to the other within 15 minutes? But I think a really, really important one that we always focus on is to say, how is your 15-minute community connecting into its broader ecosystem of places and communities. No place really benefits if it stands alone as a small community. And if you take as a really good example the Randstad in the Netherlands, one of the reasons why that's so successful is because you have a whole network of 15-minute communities where people can quickly and easily access a whole range of local services, of people, of interactions. But because the connectivity between all of those places is so good, it's really easy for people to get to and from areas beyond their 15-minute community where important things are happening. This is Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK. Today we're looking at 15-minute cities. Laura, a moment ago, the idea was raised that Workers want to live in a place where the land value is low, but work in a place where the land value is high because there is inherently more opportunity there. How does that fit when you have a city like London, where actually the land value is inherently high absolutely everywhere? So if we think about a city like London, you have big world-class institutions in London that depend on a massive scale of demand whether it's in retail places like Selfridges or Harrods or Oxford Street, in, you know, the National Gallery, big theatres putting on big expensive shows like The Lion King and some of you know, the big budget musicals. They only work because you're drawing from a population of between 9 and 12 million and million, 20 million international visitors a year. That's how you can sustain those kinds of, sort of world-class infrastructure, world-class offer. 
you can't sustain a big West End theatre from a 15-minute community. There just simply isn't the demand there. So it's not that 15-minute cities aren't great communities to be based in, as Peter said, but we mustn't lose then the connection to the bigger city offer because that's what makes it, makes these cities fantastic places to live. We, we want to be part of, of really lovely local communities that we feel a part of and where we have our place and that are on a human scale. But people also want to live in London because they want to benefit from the amazing lifestyle and culture and, and offer, which is only possible because the city is very big. The idea that all three of you seem to be putting forward is that a 15-minute city is great for building a community, but if you want to make something of your career to progress professionally, you have to physically leave the area that you live in. Doesn't that fly in the face of everything that's being said at the moment in the middle of the pandemic? People are having to keep it local, so why not develop things locally and create something a little bit like we have in Germany in the Mittelstand, where regions thrive because middle-sized businesses keep things local. There are great opportunities for particularly the regeneration of failing high streets and the reimagining of town centres to think about more rounded, broader propositions than just a flogging the dead horse of a failing retail-led proposition. I think what's important in looking at ways to create jobs and to create employment within smaller, more time-bound communities is to be really clear on what it is that those places can be famous for. So rather than simply saying every individual community town centre should have a generic offering that somehow attracts people to do their work locally rather than travelling further afield to do it. Places need to be famous for something if they're going to attract businesses and facilities into that area to allow people to work there. So there's definitely work to be done. Well, trying to keep these ideas of 15-minute cities connected but in a green and efficient way is something that Mark Schenk from Arcadis in the Netherlands has something to say about. The Dutch built environment treats people who ride bikes normally with respect and dignity and gives them a whole separate space to cycle. For decades, we have had a countrywide network of bicycle trails. You can get from one city to another on a bike, no matter the distance. You could travel the whole country by bike if you wanted to. But what we have really started to realize in recent years is that while the infrastructure exists, it's not, it isn't very well connected. So now we're trying to find ways to make it a viable transportation option, an alternative to taking the motorway between two cities. Mark Schenk from Arcadis in the Netherlands there, talking about ways of keeping 15-minute cities connected. But while we can get from A to B more easily now, there still remains a paradox, doesn't there, Laura, that in order to make small areas thrive economically, they sometimes need big business to go there. I think it depends on the nature of the business. So there are businesses who locate in cities because they want the proximity to other businesses. They want to be in the cluster. So why do business, big businesses locate in the square mile in the city of London? Because they want to be next to that whole ecosystem of other businesses that are also in the square mile. 
But there are other kinds of businesses that create great jobs that actually want space. And so they are quite keen to be located in places where land values are cheaper. And a really good example of this is film and TV production, which is absolutely booming in London. It's one of the fastest growing sectors. And the places where we see film and TV production happening are a lot in the outer boroughs of West London, so places like Ealing and Osterley and Elstree. And we've just seen a really big investment go into Dagenham as well for a big new film and TV production location, film and TV production location. So they're looking for space and they're looking for where there is land that is available and affordable. They're going to be creating great jobs in places where 15-minute communities probably do work. So we need that mixed economy, but that's not to knock the real value that there is in a big city having these clusters of big businesses that are big employers that people can commute to. Finally, today we like a fix, so let's find out what people's priorities are. Peter, what do you tell your clients they should be thinking about? Ruthlessly cherry pick the relevant parts of 15-minute community thinking and apply that to what it is you're trying to achieve and ruthlessly discard the pieces that you don't think are relevant for you. How about you, Anthony? Planning reform and and really thinking about how do our planning institutions currently work and do they systemically reinforce the kind of separation and the kind of division between land uses, between working, between shopping, between recreation and where people live that actually make achieving 15-minute cities much harder and much less accessible to people from different backgrounds. So that if we look at flexible zoning systems, so I'm a big fan of the Japanese zoning system, which only has about 12 different zones, all of which allow varying amounts of mixed use and different ways in which land can be used by landowners and by businesses. That almost kind of naturally creates the kind of mixed-use communities that are the real bedrock, I think, of, of the 15-minute city idea. Uh, I would suggest. Final word to you, Laura. What's your fix? I guess my fix is to really think about that which can only be done or is best done in city centres and that which is best done in local communities. There are things which need to happen in in city centres because of the scale and agglomeration effects because they need massive demand. And there are things which are much better done at a human scale in local communities. And I think the trick to getting this right is to, to be quite clear which is which. And that brings us to the end of today's show. My thanks to Peter Hogg, Arcadis UK Cities Director, Laura Citrin, CEO of London's International Trade Investment and Promotion Agency, London and Partners, and Anthony Breach, analyst at the Think Tank Centre for Cities. Thank you all very much for joining me today. And if you enjoyed that, then make sure you subscribe. You'll find fresh podcasts popping up regularly at arcadis.com slash UK. And there'll be lots of extras too, all to do with the future of our cities, our communities, Communities and their recovery. And you can find the report called Our Shared Recovery Plan on the Arcadis UK website. You've been with Long Story Short, the Future Cities podcast from Arcadis UK. I'm Emma Nelson. Goodbye. Thank you very much for listening.